Welcome to the Spice Girls Podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Jesse. And this week we're talking about our love story with food. And you say this week like we haven't been gone for months on end. But guess what? We're back. We're back. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. So I am super stoked because we have taken a very hefty break. Um, you really have. And I have been able to reflect on some things during that hefty break. Um, and my love for food has been one of them. Yeah, I um. So, I mean, without getting, like, too much into it, like, obviously, anyone who listens knows that we were gone uh, for the last five months. Um, It was not planned that way. I promise we didn't realize it was five months. Just time. We just, (laughs) yeah. So, um, there were various mental health concerns. Um physical health concerns um, that we were dealing with that'll probably come up at some point but uh, you know life happens and uh, we're trying to carry on and we love this whole jammy so uh, why not continue on what kind of jammy I love do you know my favorite jam is what it's so hard to find black currant not blackberry oh, black yum. currant jam it is truly truly a whole different level of amazing uh i agree i love black currant jam um my favorite okay i have a sweet and i have a savory jam that i love okay. so salt spring co has a onion jam mm. and it is freaking good okay freaking good um so that's like my favorite jam and then i also like apricot jam really yeah like apricot jam with pb and j mm, yes really? I've never never had it that way so i do a mix of apricot jam and raspberry jam in um my rainbow cookies at christmas time the italian seven layer cookies i don't know if you have oh, them. Hot okay they're like almond cookies with uh jam in between for anyone who's never had them you're seriously missing out because they are the best um but yeah so i do a, a mix of apricot and seedless um raspberry for that and i find that like apricot jam to me is just too sweet to eat on its own. Okay, so I, first of all, that sounds like something that I just want to like wrap myself into and like cuddle. Anyways, sounds <laughs> delicious. Yeah, um, yeah. I just said delicious instead of delicious. Deal. With it. I, I was the uh, I was gonna let it go, but thank you for bringing it back up. No, I yeah, I went there. Um, but that's what I love about the PB and J, like a toasted bread, and then the peanut butter offsets the sweetness of the apricot jam, and it is like, damn, with a juice box, 
I know. I feel With like a juice six. box. Yeah. Okay. But I'm not six and six and a half. <laughs> but it's so good. So good. Um, I'm not judging you because we all have our things, you know. Um, I also like, I like jams with um, charcuterie. Oh, damn, yeah. So one of my, like, very favorite things to do is, like, a, like a crispy bread. Um, yep, yep. Like a crustini, right? With yep. fig jam. Uh-huh. A slice of apple, some um, ricotta salata, or like, like a like a similar like farm like a hard farm cheese, um, mm. and hot honey drizzle. I need to be resuscitated. Resuscitated. <laughs> I was so excited about that that I couldn't even say it. Like that's how excited I was about that. Resuscitated. Yeah, <laughs> that's that was amazing. How stoked I am on what you just said! Like it's all, really good. That's all I want I my life right now. Try it. Yeah, it's so good. Um, so this episode is not about jams, but clearly no. I was jams. just gonna say, but this is like that's a peek into our hearts of like our love stories right there. It really is. So I I made you uh, I put you at a loss for words there. Yeah, I said to Lizzie, but. <laughs> that's where we went with that I think but, we need to stop bringing up the fact that you said it and never speak of this again I feel like you may catch it a couple more times throughout our episodes and I, I'm not ashamed maybe a little bit but not ashamed you're so um, horny and you like lean in so hard and I love it yeah I am fully like talking with my hands and I'm, I'm I'm into this thing. I've got a little I, like I'm always shoulder dance. Like I, it's a shoulder roll that I did when I like said, "Oh my god, the word that should not be named anymore." <laughs> but like, okay, but that's that's an open door and like a look into our hearts about how passionate we are about food and like how intense and carried away we can get with it which is really cool um unique flavors i think work together and for me i think that comes from like my love story with food growing up um being multicultural um we've talked about this before but i am half absolutely yeah arabic lebanese and I'm half um, Chilean, so my mom's from Chile, my dad's from Lebanon. And one of the major, major things in both cultures is food. It's food-centric. Um, the history of and, like, roots of those cultures growing food. Um, growers are very popular in both regions. Right. Um, it's a common career change for or not career change but career path for families to grow their food and then sell them in the markets and things like that so that's super important also i can't remember a time in my life where i haven't walked into either grandparents house 
and wasn't immediately given food. Yeah, so yeah. we've definitely, we've talked about this. Um, I don't know how to put it into words properly, but I guess I'll try. Just the whole um, act of being fed as a way of knowing that you, the people around you love you. Um, 100%. It's it's very integral to some cultures. And obviously I grew up, um, I'm Irish and Italian. So growing up Italian is one of those big, big like cultures where um, we love to eat. We love to feed people. We are loud. We make the best memories over meals. It's just food is such an integral part of Italian culture. Um, most people could not remove the two. You know, if I was to ask you to name five things that you know about Italians or Italy or whatever, um, and told you like they can't be about food, you wouldn't be able to do it. A hundred percent. That's you know that's the number one thing that you think of when you think of Italy, right? It's like, oh my god, right? That it's, food. It's a huge culinary yeah. influence. Um, yeah. And of course, with like you know immigration and things like that, like. Um, globalization italian food and italian inspired food is very easily accessible to pretty much everybody because mm -hmm. of the mass diaspora of people who left italy and basically ended up in the americas so yeah i know like your um your pastas and you know your like very comforting dishes are very popular of course you see um I don't know what to like fancy culinary experiences too obviously exist but i'll talk more about this obviously when we discuss italian culture and food for sure but there is being italian there is a huge comfort element like i want my food to feel comforting you know so there might be an italian restaurant that is top of the line and people love it but the food is too high end for me and I don't like it, if that mm. makes sense. Understandable. So, um, yeah. So, so that's definitely something that uh, I. Food is like a it's like a love language. I actually heard it's so funny, on another podcast that I was listening to, um, which is not food related, but one of the hosts on the podcast, um, his mother is Italian, and he was talking about how upset he is that when you go out for pasta you only get like five raviolis and yeah yeah and they were like but that's a serving and he's like no i need more ravioli and the other host was like it's because you can't stop equating that you're italian and more pasta means you love me <laughs> and i was like i feel very attacked <laughs> but it's so true it's such an expression of love like just keep feeding me. Like, are you full? Yes, I'm full. Okay, here, have this. <laughs> have more. Yeah. Have more. And I think, too, like like you said, with immigrants coming over as well, um, when our ancestors, our grandparents, um, immigrated here, they weren't allotted to bring stuff with them. Right. You know what I mean? So, really, taking those recipes and taking their culture and their love for food that is what they're bringing here 
with them and that's what they're going to showcase for us so like growing up we grew up on that it is like a part of home and a part of where our ancestors are and a part of where our grandparents know and love and that's how they share that with us and i think that's so magical in a way i agree and i think that there's there's a lot of things that have like um changed significantly yeah um you know there there are foods that are not they're not something that you would authentically find necessarily in lebanon or in italy Mm -hmm. or but they are just as much a part of our story because here in Canada, in North America, in South America, they found these ingredients that they could work with and make something familiar. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the, there's a story about like the first chicken parm was that the, um, the chef like ran out of eggplant and he asked, oh, uh, he like asked them, would you mind if I, if I did this with chicken or whatever? And now it's like one of the most popular dishes ever. Which is not a thing in Italy from what I understand, right? Right, yeah. Well, like Parmigiana is, but. Um, is, but. And, and you, you can get chicken Parmigiana now, but it's, mm-hmm. this is something that was traditionally made with eggplant. Yeah, for sure. And it still is. You can still get it with eggplant, but it's somehow the eggplant version is less popular than the chicken version is. Yeah, it's definitely like, but it's definitely progressed or not progressed, I guess I should say, with the movement of how food is um, evolutionized almost, right? Um, Right. But it's cool that we get to hold on to that, or not we, I guess, because... I'm not Italian, but how you get to hold on to that from your ancestors and your grandparents and your family, and you get to cherish that recipe, which showcases, you know, love and and right. family, right? So that's yeah. cool. And I think too, like from a very young age, we were taught um, we're a very multicultural family, and we were taught that the one thing that every single human being has in common is food um yeah no matter where you're from no matter your background no matter the way that you were raised or brought up or or anything really the one thing that we all have in common is food and that is something that we should cherish um no matter who you are if you're gonna sit around this table with or complete strangers or whoever you're gonna have a good meal guaranteed there's gonna be laughs there's gonna be arguments there's gonna be some deep conversation but most importantly there's gonna be memories made and that for me is like what opened up my heart to food yeah i agree with that i think that um anybody who's ever taken a sociology class or lived in a society um understands the the basics of cultural diffusion mm-hmm. of you know immigrant populations moving and trying to basically become a part of the predominant culture that they've moved into yeah um right so this happens in a lot of ways but always the first thing you see is food always always so it's you know um there's 
en masse group of um, Syrians seeking refugee in the Americas. And now we're seeing Syrian restaurants more than we did before. Um, Which is beautiful. Right. And that's what I'm saying. So like, because food is so cross-cultural that it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you use this spice versus this spice or mm-hmm. um, you prepare it in this method versus whatever method we use. At the end of the day, we all have to eat and we've all developed recipes over generations that I think um, they really do, they cross those cultural boundaries. And when it's different, like I grew up in New York City, so it's a little bit different because obviously there's not a, there's not as much of a predominant culture of one thing here. Um, Same here. Same in Calgary, actually. Calgary is a melting pot. Um, yeah, it's it's as a well, yeah. like obviously you know they say the predominant culture of the Americas is like you know basically what the settlers the original settlers were, and that's a debate for a different day. But I think that it is true to say that the people who are already here, already settled, um, are more inclined to try a new food or a new restaurant or some kind of fusion restaurant um, as their first gateway into a different culture. Very true. I agree. I think that's what kind of opens, you know, your eyes to educating um, yourself or learning about another culture is the number one thing that you're going to go to is food. Um, you're not necessarily uh, yeah. going to be like, I'm going to go to this event from this culture. You're not necessarily going to be like, I'm going to learn this language. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to do so on and so forth. It's There's right. this restaurant that I want to try, and it is a Fijian restaurant. It is a Syrian restaurant. It is a Filipino restaurant. Like That's your kind of gateway to, to that culture, right? Go to this restaurant, and I'm going to experience that culture through the food that I'm eating essentially. Right, Um, and I think even that is, we may not even do that. We may go to a market or a, you know, a street fair or something of that nature. And, oh, this looks new, let's try it. Like, oh, that looks very good. I'm gonna try, you know, this, whatever it is. And then we realize like, wow, this is delicious. And then, you know, we tell our friends about it and say, oh, there's this new mm-hmm. restaurant or there's this new place. And they were at this event that, you know, whatever. I remember when uh, Uma's in Rockaway opened, it was like, they do, it's Uzbeki food. Um, okay. And yes, we, you we, told me about this, actually. We've never had anything like this. But it's it's a very popular place and it's very good. I didn't know anything about Uzbekistan but I was like wow their food is delicious yeah I remember you eating it and then like immediately telling me about it um which is really cool like and you being able to experience that food and like learn you know and it it opens up your heart and it like intrigues you into learning more about the culture which is really cool um right also like neighbors and having like someone move into your neighborhood from a different place as well like the first thing that most people do is like 
bake something and take it over and introduce yourself to it. I know like now as we've progressed with time, it doesn't happen as often. Right. But like anytime a neighbor is at loss of someone or anytime a neighbor is sick or anytime, you know, they have a baby or a party, you bring a piece of you through food and you're letting them essentially know without words, like, I see you. I care for you. A gift of food is such like an incredible gift. Um, when I first moved into my apartment, we had a snowstorm. I was here maybe a month. We had a, we had a very large, like crazy snowstorm. I mean, crazy for us, probably nothing for you in Canada. <laughs> but my landlord was away. So there was like six inches of snow and my neighbor just shoveled it for me. And I didn't even have a shovel. I was like panicking. So I was like, I am not prepared for winter at all. I just moved in. And he just, while he was doing his front, he did mine. And I was like, wow, how do I say thank you to them? Because that was like really nice, you know, like, mm-hmm. he, you know, like for him, it was probably like just that, oh, well, there's a single mother next door. I'm not going to make her shovel. So he did it. Um, so Mickey and I baked bread and brought it to them. And they were, like, over the moon excited. They were like, oh, my God, thank you so much. This is so nice. Um, yeah, I remember you telling me, actually, and he was, like, so stoked on it. Yeah, and, and it made me feel good, too, because I was like, oh, like, we were able to do this. We made this thing, and we were able to give it to somebody as a gift. And it's such a, like, for me to do that, like, that's me saying, like, thank you, I appreciate you. It's yeah. a it's a show of love or friendship, whatever you want to call it. And then from their perspective, you know, being the recipient of something like that always gives me feels. Yeah. It's like like the astronomical, the feeling of thank you within that one gesture. I bake. I love to bake. I right. love to bake. And so my number one, my giving of what I bake is for the guys at work. They okay, work yeah. so hard. They work so hard. And like them working hard coincides with like how smoothly my job is and how like easily I can get through the day if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and working really hard. And like the best way that I can say thank you is baking and feeding them. And then on their end like receiving these cookies all the time and being like oh my god we love them so much and just devouring them like that feeling of like i know you appreciate my thank you and i know that you get that that's what i'm trying to do it's so cool like right yeah it is one of the best feelings i'm actually due to make them cookies soon so i gotta get on that yeah i really like baking for for the people at work i did it for like for a birthday or one of my coworkers was moving on to a different um, organization. So we did like a mm-hmm. little, very small farewell party for her, but I made, um, I made her favorite kind of cake um, and brought it in like as a surprise. And of course then everyone was like, Oh my God, you bake cakes too. <laughs> That's the cool thing too. Like, so you made her her favorite cake. And for me, like receiving something that I love a flavor of or I enjoy the flavor of, like knowing that whoever has given it to me remembered 
Right. That that is my favorite or remembered that I had mentioned something about this flavor or this place or whatever it is. Like that's special because that person had remembered that specific thing about me. And like that's the coolest feeling in the world too. I I I I agree with that where it's like you remembered that I like chocolate cake. You remembered that I love this specific type of coffee or this color or anything it's just so endearing to me and I like that we can express that through food like I was like oh well this is like this is like my work bestie and she was leaving and I was like you know what I'm gonna do this and I made her the cake and I did um her favorite color is green and gold so I did like a green ombre frosting with gold sugar pearls all around it she was like crying she was like this is so pretty yeah this is so pretty. that's so cool like to know that i matter enough to the person who's giving me this thing that you remember these things like that this episode right. i'm all about cool feelings and that is like a cool feeling like <laughs> all about cool feelings i'm all about the cool feelings um, i agree with you though i think that it's very like, whenever somebody does that for me, I feel like it's very touching. I agree. It's like my cousin Natalie, we've, I've mentioned her a couple times yeah. um, in our episodes. She turns 18 in December. Um, I, I always think that she's older. No, she's 18. Yeah, oh she's got an attitude. She's got an attitude of someone who's older. Natalie is probably listening to this at one point, but here we go. Um, <laughs> and because of that, I cannot talk about what the theme of this cake is, but she's turning 18. And um, Natalie is part of the LGBTQ plus community. Okay. And so last year, I made her um, a fruitcake. Oh, my God. And I was like, I made you a fruitcake. And she, like, laughed. And, like, nobody got it. And I was like, this is just between us two. And it is, like, just oozing with love. And, like, so this year, she was like, I want a fruitcake for my birthday. But little does she know, so proud of the fact that she's turning 18. She's in university. She, you know, she's grown into this person, this human that is so strong and like oh amazing so i'm actually pouring my heart and soul into this cake and it went from just making this fruit cake to making a three-tiered cake oh my god themed to something specific that i cannot talk about because she will listen to this and i am not gonna ruin the surprise of course um, no we can talk about it afterwards you can tell us yeah about we can talk about it after but like tiered cake with three different flavors um all of these immaculate decorations and then also because I feel like cupcakes would look really cool. They're going to be a different flavor as well. And then they're going to resemble like a pumpkin patch, um, like all over the place. Um, but when I is her birthday? In December. December. December 17th is her birthday. Mm. So I'll be making this for her birthday. And then we're going to have this party at her house. And then the next day we are going to drag brunch, which I'm so excited about. That but like that's a for a, a whole other time. Um, but it went from making this simple, essentially berry cake, 
to being like, I don't know how to show my love for her at this like monumental time. Right. So what am I going to do? And it was just, it was a simple answer. I'm going to pour my heart and soul into this cake and I'm going to make her the most beautiful cake that I can possibly express and show her like, this is for you. This is love right in itself. Right. Listen, it's such like, it's such a big thing. So just the way other people show love too, like it's not even just about making things, but like, so you obviously know this, but not everybody does. Um, Last month I was diagnosed celiac. Yes. It's been rough. It's been very hard. It's been very, very hard. And I'm sure it's going to come up many times in the future. Um, But I was so sick for so long and finally finding something that worked, honestly, I can't even be mad about it. I mean, just like how horrible I felt all of the time. And I love food. Like, yeah. (laughs) Food is my one true love. Like, you know, being an Italian New Yorker. Yes. So, like, heartbreaking. Yeah. All the pasta and all the bagels that I'll never get eaten. Um, so, yeah, it, it has been a very difficult adjustment, but I'm doing my best with it. Um, but I, only, I bring it up here just because it's very funny how it's obviously changed a lot of what I can and cannot eat, uh, yeah. where I can go to eat. You know, everybody, I would say, like, in my circle or my family has been so crazy about this gluten thing where... Like, Brittany and I went on vacation and uh, recently, and it was just like, she was like looking up gluten-free restaurants for me. Um, she was like, I'm here for you. Like, I was like, this is truly like, it's a gift in a different way. You know, like, well, just this evening. Too- right, yeah. Just this evening before we went, uh, before we started recording, I told you I was at my, uh, my brother and my sister-in-law's um, they just did like a family dinner just because we haven't had one in a while. Things have been very crazy. Um, it's been a rough couple of months for my family. So um, so Monique ordered, she ordered food. She was like, I'm not even cooking. We're just going to sit. We're going to enjoy it. She ordered me gluten-free pizza and gluten-free chicken wings. And like just that, like just that, you know, it's like you care enough to do that like extra thing you know yeah and like without even being asked to do it you know like just just out of the kindness of your heart you're remembering and you're just doing it because you care and you want to make sure that that person is comfortable and you want to make sure that they're all not worrying about being hungry or not worrying about what they're going to do because there's nothing gluten-free like right that's pretty cool too um that's something like it really is and like like I said, like Brittany has been like sending me restaurants that are gluten free. I'm trying to like I'm gonna try to gear my my Instagram a little bit more towards what it's like to be a gluten free foodie at this point because it is an adjustment for me. It's not something that I've had my whole life. But all of that said, like I a week after um a week after this diagnosis, I was like the way that I really just want a bagel right now. Um, yeah I remember that I was just like I can't like I just need it I just need it and I first of all like New York bagels are amazing okay but I don't eat bagels that often because bagels are incredibly bready like it is a lot of carbs it is a lot of sugar it is you know so it's not something that I was eating often 
But when you want a bagel, man, you want a bagel. And I was like, whatever app I was using, I was like, oh, it says the closest ones are on like 59th Street. And I'm, you know, I'm way downtown, like for reference. Like, it's, yeah, it, it was it was definitely very far. And Brittany was like, that's not possible. When I tell you she started sending me a list of bagel stores near near my office that sold gluten-free bagel options i was like yeah literally ready to cry at my desk i was just like you did that for me and she was like yeah i did that for you i got you like of course i'm like that's friendship and love in itself you know what i mean right and the way that and, and again the way that it's tied to food like oh i know you love food and i'm not gonna make you go without this food yeah like you're having a hard enough time like being like I can't have this amazing, amazing food. And, like, being able to just take, you know, 10 to 15 minutes out of her day to be like, try this, try this, try this. That's also why I really love, like, whenever we see something on Instagram of, like, a place near us, we send it because we're like, this is near you. Try it. You know what I mean? Um, Just that thought of, like, I'm thinking of you and I'm thinking of what you – love to eat and I want you to enjoy it as much as possible right pretty cool and that goes back to like my roots of my grandma you know where it all started you know her way of showing love and nurture and and care for us was to make us like we would come in the morning and she would like come to their house in the morning and she would um be making breakfast even though we just had breakfast at our own houses it was like you better eat it and by the time like we would barely be finished our breakfast and she'd be already like on on lunch you know (laughs) um because that's her way of knowing that she knows that we're okay right yeah I think that's another thing too like you know it's very big now to talk about generational traumas and then there's like generational there's also generational gifts that i feel like yeah. we don't talk about as much and sometimes those two things are linked um of course and i think are, this, yeah. is, this is like food is one of those things where it's like because of the trauma that our ancestors have gone through like we have never known true hunger never no never i never truly like, truly hope to never know it i hope my children ne- yeah my child never knows it you know, like the worst we've had it is really right now with food shortages. Um, and it's really only at a stage where it's, it's for us, it's inconvenient. There are people who are truly suffering right now. We are lucky enough not to be among them. You know, it's inconvenient but, and it right. is like cost has risen because of it. But really right. that is not, it's not, a, it's not really a sh- shortage. You know, it's not, it's right. not something that we have gone without. Like there are still other options for us. We are still well fed. Yeah. Um, right. So where we don't have I to think experience that, that right. Yeah. And I think that for our grandparents, for our great grandparents, that was not the case. No. You know, they lived through periods of real hunger, and I think because of that, this generational overfeeding, so to speak, that occurs. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. 
it's you know it comes from the generational trauma but it's but it's also a gift i think that it's a gift like we feed each other we show each other that we love and we want to make sure oh make sure the kids are fed you know what like exactly it's important because i remember a time when the kids couldn't eat and we don't remember the the reasoning well we learn the reasoning but we don't remember the reasoning or the memory associated with why our cultures do these things or why our families do these yeah. things but it's there you know what i mean like my grandfather he was one of 11 children mm-hmm. which was like mind-boggling to me um and food was much cheaper then but we're talking about um him growing up during the great depression with 11 siblings or 10 siblings um and he says like oh there was always food my mother always made sure we were fed and i'm sure that's the case but like we remember things differently you know we have different memories of the way something happened as a kid and i'm sure for his parents it was a much more stressful time oh you know um but i will say that he always had cabinets full of food like to the brim yeah it was it, it became that reassurance right yeah, right exactly. it became a part of him like there will always be food in this house mm-hmm. and my my parents are like that and i am like that there is always food there is food in this house that i don't even eat it is like, um canned vegetables yeah so same with my parents too like every time something happens where like there's a recession or every time there's a shortage of like flour let's say flour rice we buy more yeah canned tomato it's like okay there's a recession there's a shortage of these main things let's go buy six bags of flour um yeah it's very much i think programmed into our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents that that's like that to be prepared the preparedness is i think programmed into them right right and it, it's definitely passed down to us as well because and I'm, it's obviously this goes back to the dawn of humanity with survival yeah but i really think like i i look at my pantry sometimes and i'm like i do not eat canned vegetables i eat frozen vegetables or fresh yeah. vegetables that is it but I always have them because God forbid there is some type of crisis in which I cannot get yeah. fresh produce. It's better than nothing. Exactly. I'm very, and uh, why is that in my head? I've never, uh, aside you from know, Hurricane Sandy, I've never lived through like a severe yeah. time where I was like, uh, I'm screwed. And even we that. We don't get like, hurricanes here either. And so, I, yeah, I had the, that. Right. I, we had that hurricane and like, it was bad like where i live directly but we could still get to a grocery store <laughs> if we mm-hmm. could leave town you know what i mean so like if somebody's car yeah. was working we were like okay well we'll just go two towns away and buy broccoli you know like it's not yeah nearly as serious but for sure but i'm just like always prepared for that like end all be all type of situation and yeah um, and yeah i think that that's like i think that that's an interesting thing that kind of just gets passed to us 
Yeah, I think so too. And I think, like I said, that's just kind of programmed into, into us. And I think it's one of those hereditary things that just gets passed on, you know, preparedness is important. Um, we're very uh, garden. Well, in the couple of months of summer that we have, we um, plan a lot of gardening um, so that we can harvest. So right now we're actually harvesting that gardening and we are doing things like canned, like pickled uh, peppers. Oh, like I see. Peppers. You, put that, you put that on our, um, our Instagram pickling. Yes. Yeah. So pickling, pickling season is definitely here for us. And um, so that story that I specifically put up was carrots. So we pickle um, garlic, like dill carrots, and then spicy garlic dill carrots. We also do um, like canning salsa. So we take all of our um, peppers, onions, tomatoes, like different right. varieties of tomatoes that we do. And I we make like tons sauce. of cans of salsa. Mm. Um, yesterday we pickled uh, peppers make hot peppers and things like that like the poem pickled peppers yeah pick a pack of pickled peppers (laughs) um my mom my mom that bless her soul um she oh i don't even want to say it but she worked on beets yesterday which was horrendous like she the the whole house stunk and i was like this is not cool but she also did that so we do um so this is it is funny to me like um we'll jar sauce and things like that yeah like it's not like a whole we don't have um like a like a canning season because i grew up in the city you know so even like where i am it's not incredibly um urban you know on the outskirts of queens um so it's you know we do have like little gardens and things like that but we do not have like just like this like pickling season canning season yeah and it's it's it feels so country to me and i forget like i forget that you live in a more rural place and then i see something like that and i'm like Aw. <laughs> what is she doing? Um, you know, okay, so dad is like obsessed with learning about homesteading and like life in Alaska. And I'm sure his midlife crisis is going to be like up and move oh to Alaska God. and he's going to have a homestead and they're going to have like, yeah, I'm sure it's, it's bound to happen. Um, but like, I've been watching we watch um i think their name is eric and ariel ariel maybe um they live in alaska and they can everything because they live in alaska right they they their fridge and their freezer is a cooler like literally a cooler Mm -hmm. um and it is cold so in their summer months they do something similar where they plant all these things and then they have their pickling season and they pickle everything and that lasts them the rest of the year and so i've been watching right. this show with him and it actually is so intriguing like i we've always done salsa we've always done sauces we've always canned like certain things but this year mm-hmm. we've taken it to like the next level because of this show because i'm like i am so intrigued and and, and i i and, love it i have to be honest my grandfather will pickle things but yeah. i think it's just because he's like bored and looking for something to do 
Yeah, it's a hobby. Because obviously there's not a, in our current society, there's not a real reason for it. But he made, what did he make? He made like pickled, like pickled green tomatoes. Mm. Um, And I'm like, I have to be honest, I like pickled cucumbers. Um, but I'm very hit or miss with other vegetables. I do not like pickled carrots. I, I have um, a question. Mm-hmm. This may be a stupid question, but like, pickled cucumbers just pickles? Yes, but I didn't. Okay. I didn't want to okay. say like, I like pickles while we're having a whole okay. conversation about pickles. No. no, and I get what you mean by like, I get what you mean by pickled cucumbers because that's the beginning of stages of a pickle, right? Like, it, right. Like, I, I totally get it. Just wasn't sure if you there was another method that he used or like something no, no, else no, no, that no. he did, or if it was just something like pickles. So that's why. I no, no, that. no. So I was like, I'm intrigued now, and I want to make pickled cucumbers. Which um, we we're making pickles, but yeah, but I I don't like pickled carrots. I have had pickled red onions. They're not bad. Oh, I love pickled carrots. In the right thing. You know, I don't want to eat anything too briny. So I feel like it really depends on what you're cooking it with. Yeah, that's true. I, um, I'm a very vinegary person. I like that briny, vinegary right. like, taste to things. So for me, like, I love cauliflower so cauliflower? much. Oh, yeah. So good. I like cauliflower too. So good. Um, so I've turned this episode into a let's let's pickle with Jesse. Yeah, we're just um, having some random conversations today. Uh, but but our love story. We love food. We love yeah, all we kinds do. of food. We love all methods of food. So I get it. But maybe we'll save the pickling for another episode. We can, because that's intriguing, and I could talk it about it forever. I can post can all of the stories about pickling, so. Oh, my God. I can. I can. If you lived on a homestead with me, you would be good. Just saying. See, I like to I like to plant, and I like to, like, you know what I like to do? I like to, um, certain things, not everything. I like to dehydrate. Ooh, yeah. Like, cool. dried herbs or dehydrated fruits. Um. <clears throat> Again, it's a different form of preservation, honestly. It's I'm down with that too though. Like and even dehydrating for me, like trying to dehydrate different fruit so that I can turn it into a dust is like one of my favorite things. Cause then I take that dust and I top, you know, cupcakes with yes. a strawberry dust or a raspberry dust or a blueberry dust. I like to do um simmer pots in the winter um a what a simmer pot i got you so right so it's like it's basically just a a pot of water um with things added to it that you boil and then simmer on your stove and it helps um it just creates like a very nice scent usually throughout the house um but i like to do it with like i'll do like apples and orange peels and lemons and like cinnamon sticks um and you just like throw it all in this simmer pot and it it does reconstitute the fruit obviously but Mm -hmm. you get these like really excellent smells 
um the aroma is like the aroma is like unreal yes like it's just so nice and i i mean i don't know i guess it's not necessary but i really like to do it and uh i like the energy that it creates too which i feel like is a whole different conversation but that um, like i get what you mean by the energy because the smell and the aroma of it like walking into that i feel like you automatically feel like whole it's like a warm hug yeah you're like this food smells amazing yeah no i agree the other really cool thing about simmer pots too is have you ever taken like a little bit of that liquid and turned it into a sauce yes which is like just a like a nice little drizzle to like a pastry or you know a drizzle for ice cream or something like that is oh immaculate right immaculate Um, so I did like an apple cinnamon one and then I was like adding it to um toast with almond butter. Oh, so good. So so I had done like a there was like some citrus in it too, but it was very similar to the one that I just said, like apple cinnamon, a little clove and nutmeg, things like that. Yeah. Lots of fall lots of fall flavors. Um, a little citrus to balance it out. But and then I when I drained it, I did like a reduction with the liquid that was left. Yum. Like, you know, just add some stuff to thicken it up. And it created this, like, very, like, like lots of fall flavors. It was almost, like, apple pie-ish. Um, Yum. And it was very good. And I was, like, drizzling it on, like, whole wheat toast with almond butter. So good. I feel like that could be, like, something, like, not simple, but, like, simple because you've already gone through the steps. But then, mm-hmm. like, putting that almond butter on some toast and then drizzling that on there and then, like, giving that to Nikki or giving that to a friend or giving that to whoever. Like, even the thought of, I made it, and that, like, warm hug of aroma. Yeah. Like, that would be yeah. the best gift ever. I went through a phase of canning um, just because I wanted to make my own jams. So I went through, like, learning how to can and do all this or whatever. I did all these jams. I did marmalades. I did apple butter. And then I was giving them as gifts to people and like people loved it, truly loved it. And I was not like, I wasn't just giving them to anybody, you know, like for me, it was yeah. like, Oh, I love you. And I put this work into making and canning and preserving this yeah. almond, um, this apple butter. So now you can have some. So, yeah, I mean, it's really like, again, food is a sign of love. That's what I'm doing for Christmas. Like for Christmas, I'm making home homemade vanilla and I was also going to do um, uh, vanilla and then I was going to do a cinnamon sugar and Ooh, okay. a vanilla sugar um, and then I'm doing a hot chili oil okay. and like a couple of di- and jam um, we have my parents have cherry sour cherry trees and they have Ooh. baby pear trees Okay. Um. So the baby pear trees, though, they're a little um like tart, like bitter. So you've yeah. got to make them into something sweet, so like a tart, or yeah. like a tartlet. Or I'm gonna do jam, and I'm actually gifting that for Christmas in that like pack of things that I've made. Can I tell you how much I don't like pears? You don't. So I'm I'm weird about pears. I don't like. Okay. Mostly- so like. If a pear is, like, in something, like, it's in a salad or, um, you know, like, a pie or something. 
it's fine. I just feel like a pear is not the main fruit ever. My dad loves pears. He will just pick up a pear and eat it. And it's weird to me. I'm like, who looks at the fruit bowl and goes, the pear is what I want? So we have pears in the house all the time. Um, I am weird about pears too. Pears bruise really easily. Yeah. Um, there's any sort of bruising or like soft spot on a pear i can't eat it i'm like this is like a child not for me i don't i am i told you six and a half <laughs> i like the mushiness of the like that bruised part or like softened part it, it, the texture is not for me but like we have this massive pear tree in my parents backyard and we never really did anything with the pears and i was like why why not why haven't we harvested them and tried to do something with them? Because they're there. Other than feeding right. the birds. Like, um, so this year I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to pick them. I'm going to make a pear jam and I'm going to try like pear hand pies or like a pear tart or something like that to okay. see if we can make, you know, them into something versus these pears going to waste. Um, I'll let you know how that goes because I haven't tried it yet. I just picked yeah, them a couple know. of days ago. Um, and so the, and I was sick. So I picked them a couple of days ago. I was sick. So I'm just going to wait a week or so until I'm like, know that I'm 100% better. And right. then I'll go into baking. But I feel like a pear jam might be okay. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm gonna test it and it, and I picked enough to to test like probably about four different types of recipes, whether it be like a pear butter or like a pear jam. I think like I was gonna, tell, I was gonna say like I feel like if you paired if you paired the pears with <laughs> like ginger and cinnamon yeah. and did like a butter. Yeah, like a ooh, I gotta write that down. I'm writing it down <laughs> right now. Pear. Ginger, cinnamon, butter. I circled it. I wrote a big note. I feel like that, you might, guys that might be good. On our Instagram. It worked. Um, the Spiced Girls Pod. It worked. <laughs> if you guys don't see it on the Spiced Girls Pod IG, it most likely did not work. Yeah. Um, I might post it either way. And be like, this was a fail. Here's what I did. Don't do this. Or, you know, this is actually really, really good. And it is fantastic. And you all should try it. One way or the other, I'll post an update. At least yeah, a pretty I... picture of of it jarred or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm, I'm leaning into soup season. Soup. soup oh. I love soups. So, soup uh, is love. Soup is love. Honestly, soup, soup is love. Soup is a warm hug. It is like a, I love you. Here's this warm hug for your tummy. Mm. Yeah. And um, fall weather is like here for us, which probably means winter is there for you. Um, yeah, basically. But I'm, I'm leaning into soups this year, especially, again, with the celiac, like, and not being able to eat as many things. You know, usually like fall and winter is bread baking season for me, and I have to find something else. So I think I'm going to do a lot of soups 
um, and then probably made too much and end up giving them to people because. Are you going to attempt a gluten-free bread? Yes, I've already started working. I want to do focaccia first. Yep. So did I tell you, I don't remember if I told you, that I bought 10 pounds of you did gluten-free flour that I had imported from Italy. Imported, so you I, did. Yeah, so that I could make pastas and pizzas and things um, that would at least somewhat resemble what I need them to. Um, we tested it last night. Um, Nikki asked me if we could make a pizza with the gluten-free flour. So we made the dough. Um, I, you know, it's, it's an adjustment learning how it works because obviously the stretch that we get with the dough comes from the gluten proteins. So learning to work with this is a little bit different, but yeah. the pizza itself came out very good. She ate it. Um, I, I made like real dinner, like adult dinner, but I did try a piece of the pizza and it was actually very good. Um, I like the cauliflower crust pizzas, but there's something about like a bread mm -hmm. crust that is just, it makes it's, it, you know? It, it does. Um, there is a Instagram account called A Couple of Celiacs. Oh, okay. Um, they are Ukraine, I think is what their roots are. So they post a lot of like good recipes. I have to find it. I was actually just looking on Instagram okay. for it for you. But I came across um, an Instagram account called Couple of Celiacs NYC. So Couple oh. of Celiacs New York City. And it is uh, the adventures of a couple with celiac, celiac disease eating their way around New York and beyond. And they actually like posted, there's a bunch of restaurants. Yeah. And so there are meals. there are a lot of options now. Um, yeah. And I have to say, you know, Brittany and I had this conversation where I was like, it is honestly, I, I can cook and I can cook well. Mm -hmm. So once I know the adjustments that I need to make, it's really not the end of the world. You know, I'm going to figure it yeah. out. So You're yeah, welcome. so I am going to I am going to try to do some gluten-free breads. I have to and it does break my heart a little bit. Start from scratch with my sourdough starter and I have to find somebody to give Betsy to. Um which will be a real act of love to get my Brittany. my original starter. So Brittany is not a sourdough bread making person. Okay. Um She's like, I just don't, I don't think that I want to have something that I have to feed. Which is understandable. Um, yeah, it is. It is a lot of work to maintain a sourdough starter. I do, generally speaking, let mine go dormant once the weather gets warm. Um, mm -hmm. And I keep it in the refrigerator. And then around this time every year, I, I start feeding it again. Um, but. I know I have to do this all over again with um, celiac friendly flowers. And I think it's just, it's going to be an adjustment, but I'm going to figure it out. Hopefully by the end of the winter, I've got at least one bread recipe down. That'd be cool. That's it. I've had a couple of different types of gluten-free bread. 
And they're yep. not bad. The Udi is multigrain bread is actually delicious. So that is actually one of I was gluten free for a really long time, dairy free, gluten free. Yeah. Um like nightshade vegetable free. Um and that is one of the best brands that I had tried out of a yes. ton of brands that I had to go through. I think that was the most the one that sat with me the most. Or sat yeah. I don't know. And yeah. they do, um, they have bagels that I find, they're like frozen, frozen bagels that I yep. find they're, they're good. You know, it, it works. It's better than, I mean, it's not a New York City bagel, but it's better um, than like most freezer bagels, which is saying a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on finding the things that I love this way. Or finding a way to recreate the things that I love, um, because it's it's hard, man. Being Italian from New York and uh, a foodie, all of a sudden, yeah, I I already have dairy allergies, so <laughs> like I'm already pushing it when I eat something with cheese or whatever, and I try to limit that as much as I can. Um, now we're adding this anything wheat based into the mix that's tough yeah i'm really like i'm slowly losing my uh, options here i think we should do a whole episode on on this too like gluten-free um like you're going through it right now i've been through it before yeah i think that we should save this for, for own episode. an yeah, entire I agree. episode because there's a lot that we can talk about health-wise and like what alternatives they are and things that we've tried too that are like not good yeah um, yeah there's been and a few it, you of know, those too coincide with um a dairy episode as well because yes yeah. i need to save the world from dairy free cheese i need to so, save the world from dairy free cheese oh yeah like unless you want to eat ron fox i don't know <laughs> i don't know what to do for you oh man it, I have, I tried with that. I really was like, I cannot lose my love with cheese. Um, I love it so much that I need to find an alternative that works for me. And I was on that diet, like dairy-free, gluten-free, nightshade, vegetable-free due to illness. So it was one of those that, things yeah. where like, I had to do it. There was no, there was no option about it. It just needed to be right. done due to like right. severe illness um but like cheese man wow just yeah see that's the like, so i'm lactose intolerant so like yep. milk and cream and things like that i can't really have cheese though a lot of cheeses have low lactose i'm yeah. i have a slight dairy allergy which is like eh, so i try to like limit my cheese intake but I cannot get cheese out altogether. It's cheese. No. It's cheese. Um, like, <laughs> like so we were, I was just having this conversation with Alex, my cousin. Um, he's British. He's from England. Dude, he eats so much cheese. So we were having this like conversation like a couple of nights ago about like how it's unhealthy, the amount of cheese he eats. And he said he cannot live his life knowing that he would have to cut down on cheese or eat less cheese or 
and I'm like, okay, you have to choose between like, you know, like stupid things. Like, let's say get hit by a bus or eat this amount of cheese. And he's like, I'll get hit by a bus any day. Um, <laughs> like kind of, it, he just was like, there's no way. But this dude, the amount of cheese that this man eats, you would be like, what the fuck? Yeah. I, yeah. I try but to he eat, loves like, it. He loves I try it. to eat like lower dairy cheeses or like goat cheese. Um, because I love all cheeses. I did like, find some some gluten free crackers that I love. So so I'm getting I'm getting there. I'm getting there. That's awesome. How do you feel about now that you're going on this celiac adventure? Do you feel like you were prepared enough? with growing up with your love story with food that you're like ready to take this on so i feel like nothing would have prepared me to um to take this on properly um but i think that because i love food so much and because it is such a such an ingrained part of who i am i really think that there's like i don't i don't know it's um it's easier somehow yeah you know i think because I love food, it's something that I'm I'm willing to do whatever it is. I'm not going to eat boring food. You know, sure. I'm not going to eat boring, bland, gluten-free types of things. I'm going to find a way to make them delicious or find a place that makes them delicious. Um, yeah. And I think that that comes back to, like, my love of food because I love food so much and because it is such a part of who I am. Um I'm not going to just accept this as like a defeat. Like, oh, you can't eat gluten anymore, so I'll just never eat pasta again. Hell no. I've tried so many different kinds of pasta already. <laughs> like, And I get that. Like, when I went on that kind of adventure, for me, like, I craved educating myself for the fact of the adventure of finding food because I love food so much that – like I needed, I like craved the knowledge of like how do See, I? Yes, that's yeah. the other thing too. The amount of times a day I Google is blank gluten free. Yeah, I agree. Even now, even though I still eat gluten, I don't eat it as much. Um, I still am like, wow, this is gluten free. All of the things that I could do with this, all right. of the things that can happen, and like the magic that can go on there. Like, and that comes back to my love story too, right? Like, craving education or craving knowledge or craving, like, how do I showcase? My whole love for things is, and I know you touched on it in the beginning, where things come from. Yes. And what you can do with them. And I feel like because we're more aware of celiac and intolerances and things like that, there are so many more options. But I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of these options actually end up being healthier because they're lacking preservatives they're more organic they're you know there's so many different yeah um different things and i like that a lot of the stuff that i end up buying now it's almost like a you know it's not all small companies but a lot of them are like smaller businesses that are selling this gluten-free product um and I like that. I like being a part of that journey for them. Exactly. It's, I, you know, and like you said, <clears throat> I'm big about the roots of food. 
Um, I'm big into like history and of history of family, that knowledge too, and like yeah. where does our food come from? And that's that's where that like that it comes from like that, right? And that's so cool. Right. And when it comes to like down to it, this all goes back to how we fell in love with food. We right. we thrive off of our love for food and we thrive off of, you know, our grandparents teaching us how food means love. And you know, that's that's simply that's what it all comes down to, which is amazing. I agree. I, agree. I think that it's it's yeah. a big part of who we are. Not just you and I. I think it's a big part of who we are as people, all people. And yeah, it's humanity. Yes, like yeah. as a as a human race, like it it really has become a big part of us our story. I agree completely. That's it, though. Yeah. I think we're out of time. So it was lovely having everyone at our table. And we hope that you will join us every other Thursday for fresh new content. You can now listen to us anywhere podcasts are available. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Spice Girls Pod for plenty of delicious content. Until next time, eat well. And laugh often. Bye.